Welcome to What the Fun Podcast with Kimmy, Kisa, and Renee. Glad you can join us as we explore all aspects of entertainment and current events with industry professionals, friends, and us. Welcome. <laughs> we are here, episode nine, and um, yeah. You know, my intros are always going to sound the same because I'm always trying to figure out what what can I do a little differently. <laughs> the only thing I do differently is call out which episode number it is. But <laughs> I can't. I, I don't know. I'm running out of ideas here. I think the next episode, one of you ladies need to like get it. You know, jump us into our <laughs> our chats because uh, I'm running. I'm running low on uh, material here. <laughs> uh, it'll be easy it'll be welcome so Kimmy what episode is it <laughs> <laughs> it's basically the same one <laughs> oh my lanta hey friends welcome back to what the fun um yeah like I said earlier we're now in episode nine glad you could join us I believe we're like 137 days away from Christmas I think but before Christmas, there's other things that happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That is true. I, I don't know why I'm already thinking of Christmas. I think it's just because I want this year to end. This is not <laughs> my favorite year. I mean, I think I speak for everyone here when I say that 2020 sucks real bad. I mean, I don't know. <clears throat> like, you know, it all is depending on how, your outlook. Exactly. True. I mean, some people are enjoying that time off, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, to how often do we go through a pandemic and, you know, everyone all gets to stay in the comfort of their own home for a little bit. I mean, I have never slept so good <laughs> than the months of March and April <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't have to go to where I have to wake up. I didn't have to do the whole you know, my other morning routine and drive to work. I could just wake up, live my life and <laughs> walk downstairs. Yeah. And I was at work. Yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. That is true. That is true. But then after a while it becomes daunting. However, for those who, you know, are the essentials that just kept working all the way through, I'm sure could definitely use this time off. <laughs> hmm mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Those are the people that need the break. Yeah. So that's how I'm I'm personally grateful for yeah. how things have worked out. But another thing that I always keep in mind is it could be worse. That is true. So we mm-hmm. might say 2020 sucks and 21 is going to be even worse because everyone said 19 sucked. And I'm looking back and I'm thinking 19 went really well. <laughs> you know what I mean? Best year ever. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, very true, very true. Definitely how you look at it. Yes. Uh, but, you know, looking at my Facebook feed and my other social media of like family and friends posting pictures of their kids, you know, starting their first day of school and holding up signs like, yay, it's my first day of class. But then, like, it shows they're in front of a monitor. Like, I feel so bad for those who are starting kindergarten. Like, they're very official, like, first day of going to school, you know? Yeah. The one thing I Mm -hmm. loved about back to school was shopping for school supplies. 
getting that checklist, you know, in the mail from the school district, letting us know what we need to purchase mm-hmm. and then shopping for clothes and, you know, just getting ready to see who's going to be in my classroom. Who do I get? You know, if my best yeah. friend is going to be in the same class with me or, or like in high school, looking at, you know, what periods we got, all that stuff. Like, no one gets to experience that. Well, kind of, sort of, in a way. But, I mean, the whole physical part of it was, to me, the fun part. Well, that was the fun part. Mm-hmm. Getting to see people that you hadn't seen or, like, meet new people. And there was that that excitement of who are you going to meet? What are you going to see? Who did their hair? Who changed their hair color? You yes. know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> who got taller? Yes. I remember going into junior high, like, I think it was eighth grade. Seventh grade was normal, but like eighth grade, all of a sudden, all the boys got tall. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I used to be one of the tall ones in the class. And then all of a sudden I had boys there. And I was like, what's what's going on? Oh, <laughs> wait a minute. What's going on? <laughs> they started changing. Yeah. And that's where crushes start to like, oh, he got cute. Become legit. <laughs> no longer a concept. <laughs> Oh my gosh. You know, in preparation Uh, for going back to school, one of the things that I used to do like over the summer with my friends was practice putting on makeup because I used mm -hmm. to subscribe to like (laughs) Seventeen magazine and, um, you know, all of those um, beauty magazines just, well, Seventeen was my my jam. And, you know, they would always have like back to school makeup, um, you know, ideas and must haves. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, you know, we would practice putting on our makeup and just be ready to like start school looking all cute and whatnot. And <laughs> and now you just got to look cute for the video camera in front of your computer. Yeah, but you know, there are people out there still doing their makeup still, mm-hmm. you know, Getting fully ready. But uh, speaking of makeup, oh my gosh, you know, our next guest here, he is quite the makeup artist. Um, Yes. But he goes beyond, but it's, it's, it's more than beauty. It's actually um, theatrical, right? Theatrically, theatrical makeup Mm -hmm. on a bigger scale. I mean, he does, I'm sure he does beauty, but then there's also ugly where he creates monsters and he does <laughs> um, special uh, type of makeup for, um, I don't know, prost- using prosthetics. Kimmy, I know you didn't want to share, but you have to share the Halloween story because it's so good. And this person, Abel, he he's the one. If you like Not Scary Farm, you should thank him because yes. he is the one who started it all. <laughs> you have to share this story because it's so good. You have to. Okay. Oh my gosh. Okay, really quick. Um, what, growing up as a kid, we never really invested in Halloween costumes. But the one time that we did, my parents allowed us to purchase this makeup kit. And uh, my brother and I were going to be this these clowns, but it, or it could be anything. But the way I saw it advertised in a box was this glamorous clown with glitter and all this <laughs> fancy stuff. Now, mind you, I think I was 10 years old at the time, 10 or 11, somewhere around there, double-digit age before my teens. And... Um, you know, we, I was so eager and excited to use this because, again, one, I've never, you know, used an actual, like, costume costume and makeup especially. And so, <laughs> 
trick-or-treating usually begins around five o'clock in the afternoon I think or mm-hmm. six o'clock but um because I was so excited to put makeup on and also to do my do my brother's makeup we decided that well I decided that hey let's put our makeup on like at 11 o'clock and so I am um, I I did my very best to follow the samples. They had <laughs> images and I saw the clown face that I wanted. <laughs> it was very cute and glamorous. It had a lot of glitter. That's what sold me was just all the glitter. So at 11 o'clock, I started putting all that stuff on my face. It took a couple of hours. But the one thing I didn't realize was that so there's this other application that you have to put on there that sets the glitter in. And it was like almost putting glitter glue on your face. <laughs> and... um. I caked on so much makeup because I wanted to be vibrant. I wanted to just be so cool looking. And what do I know? I'm only 10 years old. I'm a kid that doesn't know anything. And I was just trying to copy what I saw on the picture box. And so <laughs> come around three o'clock in the afternoon, all of a sudden our faces couldn't really move. We couldn't smile. We couldn't really talk because of the amount of, um, that glitter glue that was placed on our faces it started to dry it started to crust we instead of looking cute we both ended up looking terrifying which i guess you know it's okay Halloween. <laughs> sure why not but by the time we started trick-or-treating in no way were we able to say trick-or-treat and open our mouths because our mouths were kind of you know, stuck. The 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 glue, the glitter glue, um, <laughs> stiffened up our mouth and our lips because I drew that um that exaggerated clown mouth, and yeah, uh-huh. we put a bunch of red glitter all over that, and so it it pretty much became <laughs> solid like concrete, and I couldn't smile, and it was like being the Joker. It was like being the Joker. <laughs> And so then then later that night, as soon as we got home, um, I tried scrubbing everything off and my mom, she was laughing, but she was angry at the same time. And so she was scrubbing our faces with, you know, the... um, it's not the sponge with like the light bristles, but it's like the the like metal a makeup one. sponge. No, oh, not even makeup. Oh, oh, not even oh. a scouring pad. <laughs> she used that because that's how hard it was on her face. Like those, like like the steel wool. The steel wool. <laughs> oh my god! I was gonna ask, how did you guys take that off? Because your mom was probably very pissed. <laughs> she was pissed. We started off with cotton and lotion, and there was no traction whatsoever. <laughs> So then we busted out with the soap and water and that wasn't peeling. It kind of peeled some of the uh, glitter glue off. But then I started crying. My brother, of course, was losing his shit and was crying like crazy <laughs> because that stuff is stuck. And so we're both like, we're, we're, we're stuck like clouds forever. And so then my mom takes a, that scouring pad and just starts scraping our faces with it. Our faces were bright red the following morning and we had stain on our face from Ah. the makeup. But lesson learned um, from that day on, we uh, decided to never wear clown makeup again and um, decided to not dress up anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And that was the end of Halloween. We We were traumatized. That's it. No more Halloween. I hate Halloween. I'm not even going to lie to you. Like, I hate everything about Halloween because I hate dressing up. I really don't like it. I've never liked it. I don't like to have to... I don't know what it is. It's not even... Like, I obviously do theater. 
So obviously I'm around people that dress up all the time. But I think it's because it's so much work to try to like figure out what you want to be. And then it's like, you don't want to spend like a ton of money on like a pre-made costume because you want it to look cute, right? Yeah. But then you're like, oh, I can do this. And then you're like, no, (laughs) this is why those people charge so much money for those costumes because I can do this. (laughs) It's crazy. And I can validate that. Take it from Kimmy back in 1987 (laughs) when she tried putting on that clown makeup. Well, at least you had clown makeup. I my mom would buy me the plastic. Remember the plastic costumes with the painted whatever yes, character and the plastic mask with the elastic on the back that yes. you couldn't breathe through? Yes, that was me for like I was strawberry shortcake. I think I was Casper one year. I hated it. I was just like, why am why am I going through this? And so when I I think I got to sixth grade. I thought, I'm going to try something new. Like, I'm going to come up with my own <laughs> costume. And then mm-hmm. I told my grandmother, who was a seamstress, and I said, I want to be a mop. A mop? A mop. <laughs> so she made me this dress <laughs> that was like a cylinder dress. <laughs> and then I bought a wool, like a mop head. And then I was going to paint my face silver. Do you have any pictures of you being a mop? No. I think we should post it on I our never, social media. I never made it because I was allergic to the mop head and I swelled up and I couldn't go to school that day. <laughs> and then, yeah, that was the other thing too because like then everyone would like show up to school with their – actually, I don't think we were allowed to when I was in high school. So I went to private school. So I think we still had to wear our uniforms. But I feel like <laughs> – you know, like at least I think when I was in elementary school, we were allowed to and like everyone would want to show up in their costumes and I would literally be like, I don't care. I don't want to do this. I hated it. I, I to this day. And then and then I became what, like a costume designer. So then it was like, why, could, why am I going to? No. <laughs> no interest. Thank you very much. I also don't like being scared, right? So then like, you know, like when you were a kid and then like you would just be watching like Nickelodeon and then like some horror movie trailer would come on in the middle. Uh You're like, I'm sorry. (laughs) Did I ask for this? No, I didn't. So (laughs) I hate that. That's why I hate Halloween. Halloween's my least favorite holiday. I can't stand it. The only good thing is that you could eat candy. So we don't know about it. Wait, that did you ever true. go to Not Scary Farm? No, never. No, Not Scary Farm. Not Scary Farm. Universal. Anyway, but no, I don't like being scared, so I'm not about to go into a maze where they're monsters and they are hired and paid to <laughs> look scary and scare you and to follow you around. And, yeah. and the thing is that they detect fear and they go after the people that give them the fear. Oh, yeah. So I remember going to a couple of them and just being like, don't you even dare. I would give them a look and they would walk away from me. But if I was with Scary Cat Joe or whoever, then they'd be chasing me down. I'd be like, for Pete's sake. No. I am with you ladies on that. I don't like being scared intentionally, but I love going to real haunted places. (laughs) No. (laughs) I I, I don't know what it is. Like, I, I love the mystery behind paranormal, like, activity like places that are haunted but to be scared intentionally oh hell no like people will get hurt i will punch people (laughs) 
Anyway. Anyway. Well, this is to Abel. To Abel, we go. <laughs> I should ask him um, tips on how to put a glitter on when I do clown makeup face. Yeah. I bet you his makeup never crested over like that. <laughs> you know, you know what? I was literally crusty the clown. I was crusty the clown. Crusty the clown. That's hilarious. I was the real deal. I was the real deal. I was the real crusty. I hope. I hope. I mean, I'm sure his makeup never crested over. Oh gosh! <laughs> <laughs> we should ask him. I know, <laughs> Renee. Bring him over. Bring, bring our friend him over. over. <laughs> All right. So joining us today is someone who has uh, design sets, costumes, hair and makeup for major and professional repertory theaters in the Southland during the course of his forty-year career in theater. He also served as the hair and makeup director for Knott's Berry Farm's Halloween Haunt, also known as Knott's Scary Farm, which we've just talked about, um, for over 20 years and has received numerous awards, most notably the Outstanding Faculty Recognition Award. He has taught at UCLA, Cal State University, Los Angeles, and my alma mater, Cal State Fullerton, um, and many other educational institutions, including the National University in Mexico. Please welcome to the show my former professor, my mentor, my dear friend, Abel Ceballos. Yay! Oh, Yay! <laughs> what a wonderful introduction, Renee. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Well, that was Kimmy's work. <laughs> you know, Kimmy's I, work. <laughs> I don't know how many years it's been since you graduated, but every time I see you, it's like yesterday. Uh, I know, it's been, it's been 12 years, 13, 12 years. 13 years. Mm-hmm. You were a special student, very memorable and and fun and dedicated. She was pretty wonderful. She was very memorable. <laughs> Abel, we'll have a separate interview to get the dirt on Renee. All right. <laughs> That'd be good. When she retires. When she retires, yes. <laughs> so anyway, Abel, welcome. We're so excited. I'm excited. And I'm not the only one. When I told people that we were going to interview you, they got very excited because a lot of people want to get to know the Abel Ceballos. A lot of people know you in the industry. Um, and y- like you said, you're a famous man that doesn't have fame, but you do. Like people <laughs> recognize your name. Um, so I'm excited. So let's talk about it. How did you, right. you moved to California from Bolivia in 1968, correct? That's right. That's right. And then you came to study engineering at Orange Coast College. Then you took an elective in theater arts, and the rest is history. The rest <laughs> how, is history. How did you? How did you decide? I want to take a an elective in theater. Is that something that you were always interested in, or well, you know, was that, it just out of chance? That that is kind of a mystery, really. I uh, coming from Bolivia. In Bolivia, theater was not that popular or that extensive. So I really was never involved in theater, but I remember liking to go and see theater or dance or ballets whenever they were available. There were not that many opportunities, but I guess there was something in me that liked that. So when I saw the electives at Orange Coast College, um, there was an acting class, actually. I think it was a general theater class. Mm-hmm. 
But I wasn't thinking of a career in acting or anything. It was just interesting. And I remember seeing a, a production of Men of La Mancha that, uh, that Perkins directed. And it was fascinating. I was there for rehearsals, just observing. So I decided from there on to whenever I had an elective that was going to count for my units, I uh, would choose theater. Mm-hmm. And so I did that at Orange Coast, and I enjoyed it, and then moved to Fullerton, started uh, my uh, bachelor's in electrical engineering. And again, as I was doing my uh, electrical engineering uh, courses, I will take some electives. And I remember one of the first ones was makeup. So Abel, was there a specific reason why you chose makeup? Because that ended up becoming a staple in your career. Why? I, I, I really can't tell you. I think the schedule worked. So I figured, mm-hmm. oh, well, I'll take that. That sounds interesting. And I loved it. Mm-hmm. And I think I did really well in that class. But again, I wasn't a theater major. It wasn't a class that I was taking because I had to. So I, uh, I know that I just loved the class. I made my best effort. I have never done makeup. I didn't really quite meant that theatrical makeup. I found it fascinating. So I did, I did design and, uh, and I did, uh, uh, work on small, uh, uh, one acts and so on that require, for example, all age and, uh, Loving the whole thing was, uh, you know, I was there all the time and I will apply the makeup and suddenly I became known as Mr. Makeup. (laughs) And then after a year, I decided, what am I going to do? You know, I really don't want to pursue a career in engineering. My father was an electrical engineer. And it's not that I didn't like the, the subject. Of course I did. But I truly felt a passion, I think, for theater in general. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just makeup. It was just the environment. It was the, 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 the rehearsals. It was uh, the magic that happens, you know, mm-hmm. behind the stage especially. And, of course, then when you see it in front, if it's all going well, then it's, it's magic. And so that's the story. That's how suddenly I became involved in theater as truly part of my life officially. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how did you decide that teaching was going to be your career path? Because, you know, what we just discussed was that you weren't entirely sure what you were going to do or how you were going to make theater work for you as a career. So what was it that led you to teaching? I really did not know where I belong at that time. I thought, Maybe I'll work on film, television, or something. Something to do with with entertainment. As I said, it's not just theater. So in the meantime, um, I think it was two semesters after I had taken the makeup class, uh, they hired a new teacher for stagecraft, and uh, that was Bill. And Bill came, and uh, he... Dr. Keller said, you have to teach the makeup class. I don't have anybody else. He said, I know nothing about makeup. I can't teach the makeup class. So he said, well, you have to. You know, you're the only one that has the, the, the 
the time and you have to have a certain number of teaching units, but I'll give you a good assistant. So Keller said, uh, assist Bill in this class. So uh, then he will lecture a little bit and then I will do the demonstrations. And then when we, it was time to predict the student, he will say, I don't know anything about makeup, so you predict the student. And at the end, I end up giving them the grades with his approval. And uh, then after that semester was over, he went to Dr. Keller and said, you know what? I'm not teaching that class again, but hire Abel. He taught the class. And so they hired me. And I think I was on my last year as a, uh, for my bachelor's. So I started to keep teaching the class. Of course, scared to death. I'm teaching to my, some of my classmates are in the class. They were very supportive. And so then the rest is history. And, and I loved it. And of course, I was doing shows at that time. At the end, I graduated and I went to work to Nat for, uh, for Nat's Ferry Farm for a summer. And then I continued there part-time because then Fullerton asked me to keep teaching the makeup classes. Mm-hmm. And a couple of years later, then I had Calisthenic LA call me and then I taught there for a few years. So it was teaching Fullerton, Calisthenic LA, working at that. But at the same time, right after I changed to theater, I started working at South Coast Rep. And that's when South Coast Repertory was just beginning. So most mm-hmm. people just worked for free. And then I worked with them for about 10 years. Loved that experience. Alcos Rep was a wonderful place. When did you sleep? <laughs> oh my God. No, you guys. When did you sleep? When I think about it, you know, nowadays, I mean, I'm so slow doing everything. I don't know how I did that. I don't know how I did this driving to begin with. I will go, then I was teaching at UCLA. I remember I had a class at eight in the morning mm-hmm. at UCLA. And then I had to be at 11 at uh, Cal State LA, which I'll have the advanced makeup class, until 5, and then I will have to go to Fullerton or Nats for rehearsal or or, or the Nats Ferry Farm Halloween. Mm -hmm. No, I don't know. I don't know. I remember (laughs) not sleeping a lot. I remember being (laughs) tired all the time. I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's part of it, though. I think... (laughs) <laughs> being in entertainment, I think that's just part of like the natural progression of just always being tired because you're always going somewhere. <laughs> isn't that isn't that true? I think that's true for almost everybody <laughs> that gets the job done. Yeah, yeah. You just keep going. Yeah, it's managing your time, choosing you. You have to make choices, and sometimes those choices are not good. You know, uh, if you don't have a supportive family, I I had a. I had a supportive partner since I was about 25, mm-hmm. and, uh, and that uh, helped me a lot. That really helped mm-hmm. me a lot. But, but there's still times, you know, where things were disappointing for my family, for my partner, friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, 30 years later, they will say, well, we are going to celebrate something on Sunday, you know, and I will say, what Sunday? This Sunday? Oh, no, sorry, I have a strike. I can't be there until later. Mm-hmm. And they'll say, Sunday? And I will say, hello, where have you been? 
this has been my life for 30 years. Yes, it's Sunday. I work on a Sunday or Saturday night. It's true, you know. And, yeah. and some, it is so some people true. cannot understand. Yeah, when people see you at the party, they're like, what are you doing here? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Who are you? True. That is so true. I have missed some kind of important weddings, you know, and birthdays and stuff like that. And, and I, I am not sorry because I did try to accommodate things when it was possible. Mm-hmm. But when I was expected to be there, I was there. And I think that's, I think that's our theater etiquette. We have to do that in order to succeed. And, and, and the, your reputation follows you for years and years and years. Yes. Abel, you mentioned, um, so going back to your makeup career, uh, yes. yesterday you mentioned working for Nosbury Farming. You hired in as a technician and yes. you described your first year being like a, like a summer camp, getting to know everybody and having that family, you know, camaraderie. Um, and then when they found out that you did makeup, they recruited you to assist for Halloween Haunt. Did you ever think that you would spend the next 20 years as the makeup director for that event? Oh, no, no, no. Ne- never, never, never. <laughs> but one thing that I that I have to mention about that was that these people that were hired at Nats were my classmates from Fullerton. Mm. So it wasn't that I didn't know them, actually. That's how I got the job because some of them got the job first. And then (laughs) when something will open up, they say, oh, Abel, come and apply. And, and of course, that's how I got into Nats. And uh, um, the Nats family was so conservative and so on at that time that we're talking about the early 70s. -hmm. So they, they did not hire very many brown people or black people. They mm-hmm. did not. You know, it was pretty unusual. So I remember noticing that, actually, somebody pointing that out, that, you know, it, at the beginning, probably, I was the only non, to begin, non-American. I wasn't born here. Mm-hmm. and But there were not that many. There were no Asians. There were very few Latins and uh, hardly any Blacks. Which is amazing because, well, I'm Fullerton. Fullerton was the same thing. Most of the black students or, or, or minorities were foreign students. Mm-hmm. And look at it now. Of course, that was early 70s. So, so we're talking about 40 plus years. And now it's kind of the opposite, you know, so things have really changed. But mm-hmm. so, um, when I started working at Nats, uh, and as I said, I loved it. There came the Halloween, the first hunt, and they hired a makeup artist from Hollywood that came and did maybe two prosthetics makeup. I think one was uh, Frankenstein, the other one was Dracula, and I don't remember the other one. So um, he came and he will do those prosthetic makeups, and then I was working there, and then myself and a couple of my classmates uh, were assigned to make the rest of the people up, which maybe Mm. at that time were 40, you know, that maybe were ushers or they were, I think we had a couple of maces. 
So they were just like white makeup and black eyes and that type of thing. And it was just trying to do a makeup in 10 minutes because you couldn't call these people hours in advance and pay right. them. So right. that was the first makeup. Okay. So the following year, you were assigned as a hair makeup director. How was that experience like and how did it evolve from there? At that time, we added a couple more prosthetic makeups. I said I could do that. I had a number of people that I could hire that were my classmates or students. And then I put a little bit of an organization. And then, of course, the, the thing started growing. Suddenly, mm-hmm. we were doing two mazes or three mazes. Suddenly, they wanted all the ushers in the park to have makeup. And then we start having the street characters. And so that mm-hmm. started growing and growing. And every year, I hire more and more makeup artists. And uh, by the time I left, I think I was hiring about 60 people a night. And so uh, just imagine it was like a little factory. And as far as I know <laughs> now, it's even bigger. How did you, how did you, uh, like, well, a couple of things. Like when you, because you were managing the operation. So what was that like? Right. And what would, right. what, what did you have to, what kind of leadership did you have to, I don't know what I'm asking, what kind of leadership skills did you have to have for that? Or like, how did that develop? And then what were you looking for in, de- in putting your team together? Like, what individuals were you looking for? No, that's, that's a really good question. That's a really good question because uh, it was really important for me. And, uh, and I think I felt if I don't have that, it's not going to be successful. So first of all, I, I kind of built a, a very basic team that loved doing what they were doing. They would have done it for free if, mm. if it was necessary. But mm. I also felt, no, we cannot do that. Because I remember sometimes the management said to me, there are people that want to come and do this for free. And I remember I said, you won't have any control if you do that. Mm-hmm. You won't have any control, no consistency. Mm-hmm. You can, you, you won't know who shows up and who doesn't show up. So I said, no, we have to pay them, and we have to pay them decently, not the minimum wage that they pay to everybody. I said, we have to entice them so they can commit to the whole event. So that was the important thing for me, to hire people mm-hmm. that can say, yes, I will be there these days from this time to that time. And no excuses. So, so that was very important. And of course, at the beginning, the group was small enough that I could do that. Mm-hmm. So from year to year, what I will do first is to call all the people that were successful the year before and they were reliable. They were good artists. They were uh, easy to work with. They will deal well with the, uh, with the, characters and the the actors so i will call each one of them before i start calling anybody else to see if they can do the event again and again Mm -hmm. so that mean that meant i had people that worked that event along with me for 20 years Mm -hmm. but they were not necessarily makeup artists a lot of them were already uh engineers they they were teachers they were uh um uh, all kinds of other professions. They were in the financial, 
but they'll make the time and they'll take their vacation to be able to do that. So mm-hmm. I think it was my thinking of saying I need consistency, I need loyalty, and I need to pay them well. So they are encouraged to come back. Mm-hmm. They have fun. And so it, it's it's like a family, it's still mm-hmm. like a family. So no, it was pretty amazing, pretty amazing experience. And it's amazing to be part of something like that from the beginning. Mm. Because uh, yeah. when you think about it, and you said, did you, you asked me the question, did you ever expect it, that it will get to be what it is now? Not in a million years. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm very proud of that. So, it's, a, it's a staple now, so. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Everybody knows, everybody is excited about it, like, every year. And it goes on for, what, like, two months? Yeah. It's like mm. a cult. Yeah, it's like a cult. It's like a cult. It's yeah. a it's a thing. Like it is a thing. It is yeah. a thing, and people will drop things to go work at Knotts during oh, Halloween. Yeah. And 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 it started all these other things. Like Universal now has mm-hmm. something similar, and like the um, Queen Mary does that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, teaching at Cal State Fullerton. I mean, you taught everywhere, but you were at Cal State Fullerton the longest. Yes. Um, and I mean, I had you not as a teacher, but as a mentor. Um, yes. I loved every minute of it. And people have, I mean, again, everyone remembers, remembers Abel's name. They know, they know, they know. But like, whether they worked with you directly or not, what was your, what was the, the, the best, Thing for you working at Cal State Fullerton? Like, what was the best experience and what did those students mean to you? You know what? Uh, I'm talking about my teaching experience in different places. Uh, I love teaching. There, mm-hmm. there is no question about it. I never in my life thought I'd be a teacher. I, I never aspired to be a teacher or even meant to be a teacher. But when I started teaching, I loved when people will learn, you know, and uh, especially makeup. Makeup is that one skill that actors absolutely need for survival. Mm-hmm. The actors that stay in theater, they need it to make up. And they will do better, especially if they were character actors, they will do better if, if they had those skills. Mm-hmm. And because in theater, you don't have anyone to help you to your makeup. Mm-hmm. You're on your own. And I always felt anyone that takes my class should, at the end of the class, should be proficient in makeup. Mm-hmm. Not, a, not a makeup artist. Proficient in makeup. So you can be independent and do your makeup. Mm-hmm. And I think I did accomplish that in most cases. I think I have. And uh, so that was that was my passion, and I love when students, especially the ones that felt, oh, I can't do it, I can't do it, I'll never be able to do it, especially those that at the end of the class suddenly they were surprised themselves that can do a pretty decent job. So I think that 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 was my biggest reward. Um. So why did you stay at Cal State Fullerton for so long? Now, why did I stay at Fullerton? 
so long um, because I have worked in so many places. I was, you know, middle-aged, 35 or so, and I couldn't do that freelancing. We were talking about, you know, going to Cal State LA and then UCLA and Nats and South Rep and, you know, the, the music center. Uh, I, I, I felt I was getting older, getting tired. Uh, it was such a commitment. So Fullerton was my home, not only my alma mater, but in every sense, my home. So when uh, they called me and said, we, we opened a position, a tenure track position, then I said, well, I, that's what I want. I mean, that's what I want for the rest of my life if I get it and if I get tenure. So, so I worked for that and I'm so glad. Uh, I, I, I feel that my life was realizing the best way. I end up uh, retiring from the one place that I truly, truly love. I love the department. I love their history. And uh, uh, I, I love being part of that department. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love those students. I, I, I did. I, it was just a passion and it was the place. And I believe in the department. See, that's another thing that I believe we had a really good theater department. We had one of the best theater departments in the country. We really did in so many ways. You know, we were not Yale. We were not NYU. We were not, uh, uh, you know, different famous places where some of the theater departments are so well recognized mm-hmm. and, and, and so important. But we have produced working people. Fullerton, most theater majors go out and they do something either in the entertainment business, in the in the film industry, in uh, um, theaters, and uh, or they teach. Mm-hmm. So most of our students stay in entertainment or theater. Yeah, what's one of your favorite memories um, being? having the career that you've had, like what's one of like your favorite shows that you've ever done or experiences that you've had? You know, one of my favorite experiences I think was when I worked in a production uh, that was called Chaplin. That was at the music center uh, at the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion. Mm -hmm. So that was a musical that was being produced in um, Los Angeles, which doesn't Mm -hmm. happen very often. Uh, It, always was meant to go to Broadway. So Anthony Newley wrote Chaplin, but he always plays in his own musicals. So they hired me to be his makeup artist. And and, uh, Tony Newley had four different looks. And he got to the play he wrote was, you know, appearing as Tony Newley, then coming, turning around and coming as the old Chaplin and then turning around and coming as the young chaplain, crazy. So they hired me as a consultant to come mm-hmm. in and see how we can make these changes. But they were all too quick. They were all too quick. I mean, some of them, he goes around the set like he comes as the old chaplain, <laughs> you know. So yeah. uh, I did my best on trying to solve this. And... Um, 
as I said, they hired me as a consultant, but then as the thing kept evolving because they were, you know, in the process of rehearsing, then suddenly I just stayed home. And we opened and uh, we didn't get very good reviews. Mm -hmm. It was a magnificent production. It was incredible. I mean, it happens. It happens with many um, Broadway-bound productions. After the initial reviews, the productions hired a new director. Changes were made to great reviews. And then, you know, you get additional funding and you go to New York, but, you know, you never made it to opening day or at least you never made it to tech. So can you tell us what happened there? What happens is that when they were going to go and open, this guy, David Susskind, that said we put the million and a half, got together with the other producers, which were big names, and he said, okay, I'm doing the million and a half, but I want the rights on this and this and this and the T-shirts and, and everything. So the mm-hmm. other producers said, forget it. I mean... He was going to end up with all the money if mm. it if it opened and it was successful. And David uh, uh, Raymond Cat had Lacasio Falls standing by to get it going to Broadway. So Cat mm. said, "I have a hit. I'm not going to put any more money on this one." And of course, you know, uh, uh, Lacasio Falls went on to Broadway, won Best Musical and everything. But mm-hmm. that was the same year, and. Uh, we had spent four and a half million dollars in LA while La Casha Falls had spent four million dollars. It took another million to go to Broadway. That was the most expensive musical ever produced at that point. Five million dollars. Wow. This one was going to be six by the time they opened. But now that's nothing, right? Now I think it's, yeah. it's what? Fifty million dollars for the last, for Frozen? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would believe yeah. that. Yeah, oh <laughs> that's a lot. But that was I, I, that was my best. That was my best experience. It was really yeah. <laughs> so, what are you doing on your time off now that everything's done? <laughs> what are you doing well, in retirement? I am involved with the senior center that is close to me. It's a big, wonderful senior center. So, I am in the board of directors. I do a lot of events there, you know, like uh, fundraising events. And uh, I love these people. So it's like a new family. And um, that keeps me occupied. Uh, So I do that. And then I've been traveling a lot. I've been to Bolivia twice. It's been really busy, let me tell you. I don't know how I had time to work before. Seriously. What a social butterfly. What happened? Really, you're, I feel like you're right. You are right, Kimmy. He is a social butterfly. <laughs> oh my god. And I do go to the theater. What's your all-time favorite musical or play? Well, my all-time favorite musical, I think, is still cabaret. Yes. And then I guess my second one would be Chicago. That's a great musical. It's all about the Fosse. Oh, my God. Yep, yep. Those are my favorite. But there's still others that are wonderful. But those two are my favorite. No Mm. question. The last great, great musical that I saw was Beautiful. That was uh, about the The life Carol King? Yeah. I love that musical. I don't know if you guys saw it. 
but you know. I did, I did. I saw it five times. Uh, it's so beautiful here at the Performing Arts Center, I think. Yes, I, I saw it there as well, and it was a great production, quite beautiful. Uh, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So, Abel, as we are about to wrap up, do you have any last um, words of wisdom for our listeners? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You know, I think the <laughs> words of wisdom will be kind of what a lot of people say. It's, I think it's really important to follow your passion. If you really feel you're passionate about something, whatever mm-hmm. that might be, you better pay attention to that. And then you can think about, you know, how can I either make a living or where can I learn this or where can I improve myself or where can I find out more? And uh, sometimes you might find that maybe it wasn't your passion, but but if it is, then you're going to know it and it's going to be confirmed that it is your passion. and. It's best to follow that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, follow your passion, but because if you are passionate about something, you are just going to work hard to, to get somewhere with it. Mm-hmm. And that somewhere might not be where you may think you want to get at the beginning. That somewhere may be something totally different. Like in my case, I never thought I was going to be a teacher because that's really what I am. More than anything, I am a teacher, mm-hmm. but uh, but it got me there, and I have never regretted it. So I think that's you have to listen to that, and you have to you have to be objective at the same time. Because yeah, if it's just a whim, as I said, if you think it's passion, go on, go and pursue it, mm-hmm. and if it's just a whim. Then you're going to say, oh, my God, this is not for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and hopefully you'll do it on time to, to do something else. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my word of wisdom. Uh, that's because awesome. Because it worked on me. Oh, my that's God. That's great. <laughs> Thank you, Abel. Thank you so oh, much. Awesome. Oh, Thank you guys are so wonderful. Much. I really appreciate this. This is terrific. <laughs> it's been an honor and and. Yeah, I, I, I feel very good. And, and thank you. Thank you, all of you. Thank you. Thank Renee, you. It's uh, Jimmy. Okay. <laughs> appreciate you. Thank you, Abel. Hopefully, I, I, I will see you guys for real soon. Yes. yes. For sure. For sure. If you'd like to learn more about Abel's accomplishments or contact him, check out the link to his articles and contact on our Facebook page and Instagram. Yes, and please don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Rikiki Productions. Also, don't forget to leave us a message, comment, or any questions you may have for us on Facebook or Instagram at Rikiki Productions. Yes, and make sure that you are subscribed to all of our podcast platforms so you can stay up to date on all of our latest shenanigans. We post new episodes of What the Fun podcast every other Friday. Thanks for listening. Bye, everyone. 